me and Maria and Clayton got to experience uh, some of Avery County's finest last night. We went over to the community center and listened to Darren Brook Aldridge and Boone and Church last night. It was really, really good. And James Tabitha and Cindy was there. Um, they had some, I mean, great singing, but they had some really good jokes too. <laughs> but I'll, I'll tell you this, and then we're going to move into to the, the sermon. Um, if I can get it right. How did he say it? Don't take sleeping pills and laxatives at the same time. It's not a good idea, but if you do, you'll sleep like a baby. Get it? <laughs> I think that's why Ethan came up. Ethan came over this morning and asked me for a diaper. I don't know why he was on a diaper, but he asked me for one. Maybe he's going to take sleeping pills and laxatives after a while. <laughs> if you got your Bibles, turn over to Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15. We're going to we'll be in uh, verse eleven and and it's 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 Father's Day and there's several fathers in the Bible that we could have spoke about but I don't know that there's one besides our heavenly Father I don't know that there's a father in the Bible that means as much to us fathers as the father of the prodigal son and we're going to look at him today because. I don't know that there is a better illustration of what a dad is supposed to be, supposed to, how he's supposed to act in the Bible. This man's got it. And I hope and pray today that we can get a touch of what this man had. And before we start, I, I want to read this to you. It's a, it's a conversation between four preachers. These four preachers, they're discussing the pros and cons of different Bible translations. Eventually, each, each one of them gives their own version and what his opinion is of which one is the best. So the first preacher said he used the King James Version because it's Old English style and it's beautiful and it produces the most reverent picture of the Holy Scriptures. The second one said he preferred the New American Standard Bible because he felt it comes near to the original Greek and Hebrew text. The third said his favorite was the uh, New Living Translation because his congregation was young, and it related to them in a practical way. All three men waited while the fourth preacher sat there silently. Finally, he said, I guess when it comes to the Bible, <laughs> I like this. He said, I like my dad's translation better. He put the Word of God into practice every day. It was the most convincing translation I've ever seen. Didn't say what translation it was. But what he's saying is his dad lived the Bible out. His dad lived the Bible. There's a, a bluegrass song. I can't remember who sings it right now. And I, I thought it was the Gospel Plowboys, but I don't think it is. But they sing about the dad carrying the New Testament in his pocket everywhere he went. And when he's on his tractor, he would read it. Wherever he went, he read his New Testament. And he lived his Bible out. That is a translation of the Bible that I hope us men are portraying. I hope that's the translation that, that everyone can see on us. Now, I, again, y'all know me. I'm King James all the way. That's all that matters. But am I living out my King James Version Bible? Am I living out what I read, what I study? Is this me? Am I a mirror of what I believe in? This Father's Day, I want to look at what makes a great dad according to the Bible. 
this is lengthy, so I'm not going to ask y'all to stand up today because I'm going to read the entire thing on the prodigal son. So y'all can just keep your seats this morning if you want. Again, it's over in Luke chapter 15, verse 11. The Bible says, And he said, A certain man had two sons. I want y'all to remember that little part right there. Two sons. And I'm going to talk about that here after a while. Two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with righteous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of the country, of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would fain he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and, no, and I am and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck, and he kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven, and in thy sight I am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand, and shoes on his feet, and bring hither the fatted calf, and kill it, and let us eat, and be merry. For this my son was dead, and is alive again. He was lost, and is found, and they began to be merry. Now his elder son was in the field, and as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing, and he called one of his servants and asked what these things meant. And he said unto him, Thy brother is come, and thy father hath killed the fatted calf, because he hath received him safe and sound. And he was angry, and would not go in. Therefore came his father out, and remember that too, came his father out, and entreated him. And he answered, said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee, neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment, and yet thou never gavest me a kid that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as thy son was come, which hath devoured thy living with harlots, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. And he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. It was meet that we should make merry and be glad, for this thy brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. Let's pray. Father, this morning as uh, we take a, a day and, and we set it aside and we, we reflect back on our fathers and the, the men that have shaped our lives and also shaped this country, uh, Father, I pray that we would reflect a little bit deeper and look at our Heavenly Father and the sacrifice that He made by sending His Son, Jesus Christ, to the cross. Lord, I pray today that we not forget that sacrifice, but Lord, I pray that we not forget what a love looks like what agape love truly is the love of god and how he loved not just his son jesus but lord he loves each and every one of us even those that reject him 
He still loves them. What a father's love looks like, we can see in our, our heavenly father. And I pray, God, today that as we go about your business, as we try to preach this message, Lord, that we would bring honor to you and to you only. Lord, I pray that we can remember the fathers and our, our earthly fathers here today. But, Lord, I pray that what is said and done would honor you. And, Lord, I thank you for the men of this church, where they stand, what they stand on, who they are, and what they represent. I pray, God, today that you would just honor them and, and bless them in their special day. We love you and we praise you today. All this in your son's name we pray. Amen. Again, that's, that's a little lengthy, but we always stop. We, don't, we tend not to read the entire story of the prodigal son. Now, I would say this. Now, if you, if you notice in that version, it does not nowhere say prodigal son. It's the lost son. And if you read back before that, there's two other things, the lost sheep and the lost coin. So this is the lost son. But there's more to it. If we was to call it the prodigal son, it needs to be called the prodigal sons. Because there's actually two of them lost here. And we're going to talk a little bit more about this. One of them went away, but one of them wouldn't come back. And there's a reason behind that. We're going to talk a lot about that. But there's some things in the Bible, and there's some things in this verse, these verses here that we read, that I think we could all take note from. But I hope and pray today that it is an encouragement to each one of y'all as, again, as Father's Day, but just as Christians and how we should grow and learn. One of the great things that a dad does that this man did is he sets his children free. Now, until about a month and a half ago, I did not realize what this truly meant to set your child free. Then Abby got her license, and it has terrified me ever since. I'm not, I'm not ready for that. I still can't wrap my mind around it. I'm not ready to set her free yet. And I know there's other stages in her life that I'm going to have to deal with that I'm dreading. The fact that she will get married someday, and it, and I hope that she picks a good college to go to. My, my biggest fear is she'll pick App State, and then I'll just, I don't know what I'll do. But hopefully you every folks have rubbed off on her, and she'll go to NC State. Because <laughs> that's the only place I'll ever go. Or Wilkes, sorry. Sorry about that. Um, but this story, it starts out, verse 12 here. Let me go back over here to it, I'm sorry. It says, And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto him his living. That's a scary request from a son. Daddy, I want my inheritance. Give me what will be mine once you're gone. I can't imagine that. I can't imagine going to my dad saying, Dad, we go ahead and give me what, what you planned on live, leaving me bef- uh, whenever you're gone. I could do that right now, and if dad was here, he'd tell you right now he's done, he's done spend it all on the grandkids. That's what he tells everybody. I ain't got nothing. Everything that he had set aside for me, he has blown on my youngins, which is fine. That's all right. I can play with their toys too. But that's a scary request from a, from a, a son. I, I mean, just think, Conley, what if, what if Keith had come up to you and said, what, 40 years ago or 50 years ago, 40 years ago, and said, Dad, I'd like to have everything you're going to leave me. You would have probably struck you wrong, wouldn't it? It it made you sit and think, did I did I raise him right? Did I do the right thing? Now, this, what we read right here, that's a slap in in the face. And it was a that's a selfish demand on that son's part. That's brave. That's very brave of him. This son is he's not mature enough to handle that responsibility. 
and then we realized just a few verses into it that he did a terrible job with what money was given to him. What, what little bit he received as his inheritance, he done a terrible job because he blew it all and then a famine hit and now he's feeding pigs. Now I'll tell you this right now, he was a Jew. And the reason they mentioned to us that he's feeding swine is because that is the worst thing that a Jew could do is to be around hogs. They're unclean. But he was so desperate, not so much for the money, but he was so desperate for food that he went and he not only fed the swine, but he ate with the swine. And it says the husk. The husk is not what you're thinking. He wasn't eating corn husk. Do y'all remember when I brought those little things that look like dried up green beans in here not too long ago, carabums? That's what he was eating. That was the husk that he was eating. So when I was in Israel, I actually ate one because I don't know what it tasted like. And that was the bitterest thing I've ever had in my life. It was terrible. I can't imagine living off of that. But he did. But that's the only way he could survive. He wasted his substance with, the Bible says, righteous living. But in light of that result, we are tempted to criticize and to blame that father for giving in to that request. We point fingers, don't we? That dad's an idiot. That's exactly, you can't sit there and tell me you wouldn't have said that. He's an idiot. He, that's the craziest thing that anybody could have ever done. What was he thinking? That's what we would say. If we knew what was going on, if somebody down Squirrel Creek here done that, we'd say, you're crazy. That person's crazy. And, of course, the churches would blow up with gossip because of what just took place. But we would say, that's crazy. You can't do something like that. He ain't old enough. He ain't mature enough. But there's lessons in this. There's a lesson in this for all of us. If we accept this picture right here of the father in the Bible, the, he the earthly father that we're reading about, and we look at him as our heavenly father, it makes more sense. It makes better sense for us as Christians to see it that way. If we'll accept that picture, we have to see uh, some wisdom in the father's decision. That's right. Fathers can be wise, Cindy. Your dad's wise. Did you know that? Yeah, you better. He can't see you shaking your head. Listen to what it says here. He sets his son free even to make mistakes. He knew what was coming. What do we do? I can't look at Clayton quite yet because he still ain't, he ain't figured things out. Boy, I can look over here at Ethan and Kylie, and I can, yeah, boy, she spun around. She's in trouble now. <laughs> they learn from their mistakes. How many times have you, y'all fell off of the porch or fell off of what? You don't make mistakes, do you? You <laughs> 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 we let them make mistakes. I'll keep going. We let them make mistakes so that they learn from it. But it doesn't end whenever they get, you know, five or six or seven years old. We let them make mistakes on their own. Abby is 16 years old right now. I think she's making more mistakes right now than she did when she was five or six years old. She left. She got off work Friday night. Was packing her stuff. Oh! <gasps> I left my wallet at work. All her money for vacation, all her beach money 
was at, it was at the mass store after hours. So what did we do? We let her be an adult. Figure it out. How are you going to get your wallet back? And she did. Mary had a driver because she didn't have her license, but, but she drove home from work. We won't talk about that. We let them make mistakes. Our Heavenly Father does the same thing. I'm sure he'd love to put a bubble around all of us and just say, all right, this one's saved, he's mine, go, and just let us go. And we just bounce around on a little bubble, and we never make a mistake, and we never get hurt. But guess what? We never learn. We never learn a thing. But our Heavenly Father says, go, and I'll be with you, and I'll help you, and I'll forgive you when you make those mistakes. That's what we need to remember about this story. He set him free so that he could make his mistakes, so he could learn. Would we be here today if our parents didn't turn us loose and let us make mistakes? Some mistakes hurt. They hurt us, they hurt our parents. But we learn from those mistakes. And then we can hand those mistakes down to our kids and say, this is what happened to me. Don't do this. My dad, he, he was a car trader when he was growing up. That man go through more vehicles than Gabby Hayes had beard. I've never seen somebody go through so many vehicles. So whenever it's time for me to start getting a vehicle or two, he was giving me some pretty good pointers. I listened to the majority of them. Some of them I didn't. But the ones that I didn't, I will pass on to Clayton <laughs> because I remember them very well. Making mistakes. I learned from them. That's a hard thing for a parent to do is to let one make a mistake. We don't like to see our kids get hurt. That's the last thing we want to see is our children get hurt. But they're going to have to get hurt a little bit so that they'll learn from what they're doing. It's part of remembering that our children, they are their own people. We do our best to raise them right, but they are ultimately their own people. They can make their own decisions, both good and bad, even though we do our best to guide them and teach them. There comes a time when we, we have to set them free. First time Abby drove by herself, I left my office right behind her. And she, she was picking me up at Enterprise. I had to drop a van off or a car off. And I followed her from my office to Enterprise, three miles down the road. I don't know who's more nervous. She said she was white-knuckling the steering wheel the whole time. I think I was, too. <laughs> I had to let her go. And now y'all have got to see her come to church a little bit on her own. And I wasn't here for that. And I sat in Montana and cried a little, but she's on her own. A great dad never stops believing. Verse 20 says it best. He says, and he arose. <laughs> I love this. And he arose and came to his father. This is the best part right here. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran, fell on his neck, and he kissed him. Some of y'all can relate to this right here. He never gave up. That, that's a good dad. He never gave up. He never stopped believing. Not one time. 
He probably sat knots on end and never slept a wink. He probably lost weight, worrying sick about his son, but he never stopped believing. The Bible said that this dad was watching. We don't know how much time lapsed between the time that he left, the boy left, and he came back. But this man might have sat up on his porch in his rocking chair, staring down the road waiting for his son to come home. I don't know. But it just strikes me as odd that he just happened to be looking down the road that day when his son came home. His dad was watching and hoping and believing that his son would feel and remember the love that he had inside that home and that he would come back. As he was sitting there eating on those husks, as he was sitting there in that mud pile with the hogs, and he was crying because you know the boy was weeping. And he could remember his dad. He could remember his brother. He could remember the servants and how good he had it there. But what the father wanted was for him to remember the love that he experienced and he felt inside that home. What kind of love you got in your homes? Is it a love that will draw them back? When, when things go wrong in, in your child's life, will they want to come back home? Do they feel comfortable? Do they feel loved inside that home? Or would they find somewhere else to go? This dad wanted his son to come to his senses. But more than that, he wanted him just to come home. He didn't care how he'd come home. Just come home. For some of you, that might be kind of tough. Maybe your relationship's been strained and it's, it's a great distance between you and, and your child or you and your dad. I don't know. This can be a tough one. But as this man right here did, I encourage you to do the same thing. Don't give up. Don't give up. Keep trying. Keep believing. Just don't give up. Whatever you do. A great dad has feelings. It says, but when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. Last part right there, that's just, just packed full of emotion. You can't write this, folks. There ain't no movie could touch the type of emotion that went through not just the dad, but the son. The dad was joyful. He was excited. He was happy. The son had mixed emotions. Would my dad, is he going to let me back in? Will he even let me be a servant? Will he even let me up the road? What's he going to do? Maybe he'll love me. Maybe he'll let me back in. There's just a mix of emotions going on right there. But the Bible says there was compassion, there's excitement, there's enthusiasm. But most of all, because the son was returning, he was coming home, what we get to see the most of right here is love. We get to see what love is between a father and his child. And again, we can't describe this, the type of love that God has for his children, us. We call it agape love, it's a God-sized love, but we cannot define that. There is no way for me to describe that. Webster couldn't come up with a definition for that. Google it all day long, but you ain't going to find the right word for it because it's a God-sized love. 
as something that we, we've experienced because he loves us, but we can't describe it. It's that big. There's compassion here instead of condemnation because the father truly set his son free. We talked about that. A good dad will set their young and free. So we know there was compassion, there was love because he let him go test the waters, make the mistakes, and he come back with open arms, ready to love him. He didn't harbor any bitterness. He, he didn't greet the son with any harshness. Uh, we probably would have thought he'd have met him down there with a belt, wore him out, or a switch. But no, he had nothing but compassion for his son. The son came back knowing that he had rejected his father and he was no longer worthy to be called son. He knew what it meant to take his portion and to go off because he had nothing left. He said, I'm not even worthy to come back to be called son. I don't even know if I can get a job as a servant. But his daddy loved him, and he brought him back in because of compassion. The father lives in the present. The father didn't live in the hurt of the past. He was just joyous that his son was back home. He, didn't, he wasn't worried about the money he spent. He was just glad his son was home. Verse 24 tells us, For this, this my son was dead, and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And then it says, And they began to be merry. Welcome home, son. I'm glad to be back, Dad. And they rejoiced. Remember, the father does not know how the son is feeling. He has no clue what is going on in that boy's heart as he comes up that driveway. He has no clue what he's thinking. Is he coming back for more money? Ain't that what we think? I know that's what James thinks because he's in the same boat I am. Every time I see one of my girls coming at me, it's like, here's my wallet. Just here, what do you want? Money. But no, that's not, not what the boy wanted. Just forgive me. Just forgive me. All he knows is that the son is coming up the road. And that's what matters. He knew that his son was coming home. He didn't, honestly, as much as he missed that boy, he probably didn't care if he'd come back asking for more money. He was just glad to see him home. He's glad to see him alive. Because it could have turned out a lot worse. Because of the famine. He could have starved to death. He could have been robbed. He could have took off and went to that city and got robbed and rolled the, the, the night he got there and, and been killed. Daddy didn't know. Boy, he was glad to see him coming up that road. Some of us fathers might just need to do the same thing. Show our kids how excited that we are in them, how much we love them and appreciate them, and how proud we are of them. It don't happen enough. We don't have time anymore to say, I'm proud of you, what you're doing. We're busy people. That's one thing that I'll have to hand it to my dad. He never held back. He all, he's always told me how proud he is and that he loves me. 
because he never got to experience that. And he's always told me that he never wanted me and my sister to go through that, what he went through. But I've never seen a side of my dad that I've seen now until Abby was born. We all seen a big change. It's okay to say I love you. It might not be the most manly thing in the world to do, but it's all right to tell somebody that you love them. Make sure you do it. Show your kids how excited that you are in them. Show them that you really, truly do love them. Believe the best in them and run to them just like this father did. This father, this is the part that I love. He physically showed his love. He didn't just meet him in the road and say, I'm glad you're home, son, I love you. The Bible says he fell on his neck. He kissed him. I could about see him sliding into third base. He gets to running down through there, and he gets right up to his son, and he just slides in and grabs him and says, Welcome home. And he, he probably didn't turn loose for a while. But kids need that. Our children need that. They need that positive touch, that affirmation. And knowing that we really do love them. It's not just something that we say. It's all right to give them a hug. It's all right. Give them a kiss on the head. It's all right. They need dads that will wrap their arms around them. Even when they're, even when they're grown up and moved out of the house, it's all right to wrap your arms around them. Give them a hug. A great dad gives his children the best. Verse 22 says, And the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded, and yet there is room. And the Lord said unto the servant, Let me back up here. I went to the wrong uh, scripture there. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And he said, Bring hither the fatted calf and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. The son gives the start of his, his prepared speech. I don't know how long a walk the boy had, but have you ever thought about how you was going to apologize to somebody? You ever just drove down the road and said, this is what I'm going to have to say? Or, or you ever thought about how you're just going to tell somebody off and you've got the words in place? This is exactly what I'm going to say. I'm not going to veer from this. I'm going to use every word I can come up with. And then you get there and bleh, nothing. That's what happened with this boy. He rehearsed his apology speech. He had rehearsed it and rehearsed it and rehearsed it. And daddy shows up and not much is said. He couldn't. He couldn't. He spoke a little bit, but he couldn't give the whole message. Dad wouldn't let him. Dad kind of cut him off there. Dad, I'm sorry that I left. Dad, I'm sorry that I took my inheritance. Dad, I'm sorry. And then the, the dad just turns around and he says, Hey, 
Go get this boy a robe. Get him a ring. Get him some shoes. And while you're at it, get me a calf. We're going to celebrate my son's home. Cut him off. Didn't give him time to finish. <laughs> Didn't give him time to apologize. He just wanted the best for his son. So he gave him the robe and the ring and the shoes and the they was they ate and they were merry. That's an incredible picture of forgiveness right there. <laughs> oh, that's forgiveness. Lord, I've sinned against you. Would you forgive me? Yes. I will. Lord, I've sinned against you again. Would you forgive me? Yes, I will. Lord, I've done it again. Would you still forgive me? Yes. Yes, I will. No matter how much we mess up, He will forgive us. He will forgive us. That's a picture of forgiveness right here. It's not unwillingly offered right here. It is just celebrated. He didn't just unwillingly offer this stuff to him. He's celebrating the return of his son. He didn't say, well, here comes my son. I guess I better put some clothes on him. Well, he looks hungry. Let's just go, let's just go kill him the calves. No, he celebrated this. He brought him home. Instead of punishment and penalty, there was forgiveness and celebration. That's here's a question. Do your children get your best? Oh boy, that's tough, ain't it? I probably just stepped on a lot of toes because mine sure hurt. I'm not talking about material possessions. Do they get your best efforts? Do they get your best love? Do they get your best attention? Do they get your best time? Do they know that you're excited about who they are and, and that you celebrate who they are with joy? Do they, can they feel that? Can they feel that love that you have for them? That's between you and your youngins. A great dad, like the one in the story, gives his children his best. Lastly, a great dad works for family unity. This is the part that, this is the part I really studied hard on. Because there's a lot of broken homes now, broken families. Verse 28 says, And he was angry and would not go in. Therefore came his father out and entreated him. This is talking about the, the older son. The older son was not a happy camper at that point. In that last part of the story, we see a, the jealousy and selfishness of the older brother. And this older son here, is so mad by the father's welcome to the, the son, the younger son, that he wouldn't even go in. He said, I can't believe you'd do this. I cannot believe this would happen. You let him squander his inheritance, and now you let him back in. And you know what the older son's probably thinking? Dad's going to take part of mine and give it to him now because he doesn't have anything left. You know that's what he's thinking. The father didn't just go out to the one son that was coming back. The father went to the son that was already outside. 
So at one point he leaves the house and he meets the one son that's running away and spend his money. He meets him in the driveway, welcomes him home. But then secondly, he had to go out and find his other son to bring him home as well, to bring him into back into the family, to have unity between them all because there was some bitterness there. The one who never left home but whose heart was far from his father's heart. He didn't see it. He was immature too. I tell you that right now, that both of them were immature youngins, so he didn't see it. But I tell you what, there, there's probably a story that that older one hung on to the rest of his life, and he probably told his youngins too. Your grandpa was a man of love. Your grandpa was a man of compassion. Your grandpa done something that most people would never do. He loved your uncle. Even when he left him and he come back home, all the money that he lost, all that inheritance, your grandpa loved your uncle and he showed it. This man, this father right here, he pleaded with that oldest son. He talked to him, he listened to him, he tried to help the brother understand how important it was to celebrate. We need to remember that. He was an encouragement. That's what fathers are. We can, we're an encouragement. Not softball dads. They're not typically encouragers, I don't think. But other than that, we're supposed to be encouragers. Help them. Be their cheerleaders. Encourage them to be better people. I want you to listen to his actual words. They're, they're very important right here. He says, this is the father, he says, And he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. It was meet that we should make merry and be glad, for this thy brother was dead and is alive again, again and was lost and is found. Rejoice because your brother ain't dead. Rejoice because your brother's not wandering around lost somewhere. Rejoice. Your brother's alive and at home. Be happy that we're not burying your brother. Be happy that he is here with us again. Rejoice. And this dad, he, he affirms his love and dedication with his son in that last part right there where he says, all that I have is yours. Then he tells his side of why they should celebrate. See, that the older son, again, is immature. He doesn't understand why he should be celebrating. He doesn't, he's never experienced anything like that before. And so he's got a mix of emotions as well. But this is a good, a, a good father right here. He had to explain it to him. Sometimes we've got to explain things to our youngins. Good and bad. And it's tough. I can't explain why they have common core. That don't make no sense to me. But I can explain to them why bad things happen to good people sometimes. I'll explain to them that I feel like this is the best thing or this is the worst thing that you could do. But as parents, we need to be explaining to them the reason why we're doing what we're doing. For you men, find something encouraging out of this story this morning. Find something, whatever it might be. Just find a little something encouraging there that help you be a more godly father. And if you're here today and you ain't got no youngins, then... I encourage you to take something out of that story that reminds you of your father 
and rejoice over that. Just remember them and what they've done for you. Wink, horse, Hunter, we got Hunter and Jonathan. Hunter right here. Remember this story as parents or in the event that you ever have youngins of your own. Remember this. And remember that this parable is actually about God himself. That earthly father that we're reading about is a picture, is an image of our heavenly father. And how he will run to you. And you can go to him. No matter what you squander, no matter what you say or do here on earth, you can always run to the Father. And he'll welcome you with open arms. He'll always love you. He'll always love you. Let's pray. Father, this morning as we close out this service, Lord, and as we uh, recognize our fathers here in just a minute, I pray, God, that you would allow us to take this story and make it personal. Lord, I pray that it has touched a heart or two or a lot. But God, I pray that it makes us better individuals. God, I pray that this parable that we've read make us stronger Christians. Let us have a deeper love for one another. Allow us, Lord, to look past the things that has made us bitter and allow us, Lord, to be more Christ-like. Put away that bitterness. Ask for forgiveness from both you and the other person so we can live a better life, a more holy life. Lord, we've all wronged you here or there, and I pray, God, that you would forgive us for that. Forgive us where we failed you. Forgive us where we've sinned against you. Forgive us where we've forgotten to give you thanks. But, Lord, just forgive us. And we love you today. We thank you for being our Heavenly Father and for the love that you have bestowed upon each and every one of us, for the love that you've shown through your Son, Jesus Christ, on that cross, for the love that you've shown by giving your Son, Jesus Christ, for each one of us. Lord, we'll never be able to thank you enough for that. But, Lord, we do thank you for all that you've done for us. Lord, I pray today again that as we remember and honor our fathers, Lord, that uh, we'd not take away from the Heavenly Father. And we'll always remember what you've done for us. We love you today. We praise you. We thank you so much. All this in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so there's a box of tissue up here. I, I, don't, know, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. What am I supposed to do? Whose idea was this? This looks like a Rita thing. So... Rita and Tabitha are going to come up here and hand out packages. <laughs> it just sucks all the fun out of it. All right. So I guess all the men, fathers or not, it doesn't matter. All the men can come up here, if you will, please. So all the men, come on up. I'm already up here, so the rest of y'all got to come on up. Come on. Ethan, you too, come on. I don't want that. <laughs> I'll grab this one. Huh? You're going to stand right there and look pretty. Can you do that? Get that out of there. <laughs> hey. 
I've said this before, and I'll, I will always say this. I appreciate these men more than they'll ever know, even that. I, I just I think the world of them. I love them greatly, and they've been such a uh, an inspiration and such a huge help for me. Uh, even Ethan is a huge help for me, believe it or not. So I, I appreciate every one of them here, and I, I hope y'all do have a – you, you want to see the baby? I hope y'all have a wonderful Father's Day, and I hope you have a uh, – if your fathers are still here, I hope y'all have a great time with them today. I don't multitask well with the baby. No. <laughs> but uh, Ethan, you and Kylie want to go help Ariel? Kylie, you want to help him? You want to go help? You want to go give the bags out? This time next year, Clayton will be able to toss them. Everybody gets one. Yeah, hand them out. Who will help him? Oh, you just want to play? <laughs> Give that to your dad. I hope it's not breakable, whatever that is. <laughs> All right. Well, ladies, we're going to do just like we done last month. We're going to ask y'all to come around and just thank these men. Uh, they might not be yours, but they're part of this church, and uh, they do a lot here that is unseen and untalked about, and I appreciate all the work that they do. What? You want my... You want my microphone, don't you? Is that what you want? <laughs> but I'll ask y'all to come on around. We're going to close out with that. So y'all come on around. What? What is it? Is it a baby?